Good evening. Today I would like to give a talk from which you will get very peaceful, you will get very satisfied. A talk from which you will get a lot of knowledge and a lot of understanding. But, <laughs> there is always the but, you know. So, but I think it will be a little bit difficult because knowledge and understanding, it's about ourselves, it's about our attitudes, and it's about, you know, we can get information from outside. We can get information from any tricks and, uh, you know, things that we can get from outside, but the real knowledge comes from the experience, comes from our attitudes <coughs> towards uh, the experience itself. So this is the first reason. Second reason is that uh, uh, although I had a week to get ready, uh, to give a nice talk, you know, I'm still feeling that I am not ready enough. So I don't know when I'm going to be ready for something. So uh, we come back from the last week talk. And uh, to summarize, you know, we, I concluded with the idea that uh, in life we have to find our goals. You know? We have to find the meaning of our life. And then we have to adopt, we have to adapt the attitude, we have to adapt the how we will proceed to achieve our goals. So there is meanings, and then there is the how to proceed, there is the attitudes. From the meaning, we get interest, we get you no know, joy and concentration. And from there, there is quality. So depending on how we are and how we uh, behave and how we are uh, related to the world, we get uh, certain qualities. So we said also that uh, we need to care about what we do and, and how we do it. Because those attitudes those uh, relationships we have with ourselves and also with uh, other people, this will determine the results that uh, we'll bring, uh, that the results that we will get from, the, from the, the, the lives. So do you agree with that? Yeah. So at least I don't have to have a confrontation. So in the West, you know, in the West, uh, in Asia, they don't so much. But in the West, we always, li we always like to ask why, you know, why we do things. And, you know, there is always a why to everything. So now I, I, would, la I, I would like to ask you, why are you meditating? Like last time, we, I, I left the question, okay, what are your goals? And how, what is your attitude, you know? So about your life, this is up to you. Your, your goals are up to you. But now I am asking you, why are you meditating? So take your time and uh, don't be shy, you know, just, uh, just say something. We are within friends and we would like to know, you know, what are your <laughs> ambitions and 
and interest. Liberation. Liberation from what? See differently, right? Yes. 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 It's a clear and direct um, illustration and proof of the Dhamma, and therefore helps me to better understand the world, yes. and it's a lot of fun. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I think I will not come to conclusion, but I think all of that, you know, prove that uh, you are doing something that is interesting you. You are doing something that uh, improves the quality of your mind, the quality of your life. And uh, actually, it, it is improving the quality of yourself and the quality of, of understanding yourself. That's why you like it, because it grounds, it grounds you and it gives some meaning. I think this is the highest uh, type of uh, practice or the highest type of ideal that we can have in our life, wanting to improve 
one thing to understand and one thing to base ourselves on fact and never be satisfied like with curiosity we want to we want to uh, check <coughs> we want to see if there is a way to improve or to do something like that so this is very good but one thing also that uh, uh, it reminds us that, uh, that it is dealing with ourselves. So it's a search, and that, that search concerns ourselves, you know, ourselves and the world and you know, the relationship we have with uh, our environment and also uh, with our own mind. So now we already did a brief inquiry <coughs> into our goals. And uh, we saw that uh, being, by giving great care into what we do, we get the quality. From there, we will inquire about whom and what we are and see different perspectives and attitudes given to us in the Buddha's teaching and see also how we can apply them in our day-to-day uh, -day life. For that purpose, we will take the, uh, the sutta called uh, the, greater, the, greatest, the Greater Discourse on the Elephant Footprint in the Middle Length saying. The Mahati Padu Pama Sutta. You may know it, and you may <coughs> later also reflect, you may later. If you're interested, read it for yourself and uh, just, you know, check. So that sutta is about the great uh, footprint of uh, an elephant. And uh, this sutta was given by the chief disciple, the Venerable Sariputta. And uh, that disciple was the, uh, recognized by the Buddha to be the first disciple and the highest, the wisest among uh, all of them. So I don't know if you have ever seen an elephant footprint. How oh, it is, you know, you may have seen an elephant, but uh, you may never have seen uh, how the footprint is made in the ground, you know, in the sand or in the earth. So I will describe it to you, you know, for those who have never not seen. <laughs> so it's very big, you know. It's about uh, I don't know how much centimeter, but uh, it's a huge kind of thing. And uh, because of the weight of the animal, it goes very deep as well, you know. So even in, uh, you know, kind of uh, medium hard type of earth, it goes, it can, it can print quite a lot. So uh, in that discourse, the Sariputta Venable, he, he is comparing that uh, elephant footprint, and he says that among the animals, this is the biggest uh, print that can exist, you know, and that uh, all the prints of uh, every kinds of animals, they will be fitting into that. Then he compares that uh, footprint to the teaching of the Buddha, and then he resumes it as uh, everything, you know, all the wholesome qualities, all the wholesome Dhammas, 
that can exist, you know, all the aspirations, all the knowledge and all the good things that uh, somebody may have or that is existing in the world, it is comprised in the Four Noble Truths, the Four Noble Truths that the Buddha uh, is teaching. So he goes on to explain what are the Four Noble Truths and he says that uh, as you all know, the first noble truth is about the suffering, dukkha, satcha. And the second noble truth is about the origin of the suffering. The third noble truth is about the cessation of suffering. And the fourth noble truth is about the way leading to the cessation of suffering. He then goes on and elaborates on the first noble truth, and he says that uh, the noble truth of suffering is birth is suffering, old age is suffering, death is suffering, grief, despair, lamentation, sorrow, pain, not to get what one wants. In brief, the five aggregates of existence are suffering. So think about that. What is the meaning of suffering for you? Like this is an English translation of the word dukkha, but what can that <laughs> elaboration, what can that brief description can mean to you? So then from the five aggregates of uh, clinging, you know, the five aggregates of existence that are the material aggregate, so the rupa kanda, then the sensation aggregate, vedana kanda, then the perception, sanya, the consciousness, vijnana, and the mental formations, the sankara. Then from those five, he goes on and diminish again, and then he goes to explain about the first one, the aggregate of materiality, the Rupakanda. So he says, what is that uh, Rupakanda? What is that aggregate of uh, materiality? And then he says, like, uh, there are two types of uh, materiality and you have the internal, internal uh, materiality and the external ma materiality. And then he goes to elaborate the internal materiality in, the, in detail. And then he goes in the sense that uh, he goes uh, more detail. Like he says, uh, yes, yeah, sorry, I forgot one point, is that the, you have the materiality, huh? but among the materiality, he divides it into the four great elements and the derived materiality. <coughs> so we have the, 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 the aggregate of materiality, and that aggregate of materiality it is divided into the four great elements. <coughs> the four great elements and the clinging, uh, uh, the, 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 um, the derived materiality. <coughs> And the four great elements are the earth element, the water element, the fire element, and the 
wind in him. Then he goes and he says, he takes one of those elements, like the physical element, he is, he is talking about the physicality, about materiality. So in Buddhism, it is divided into you know, those, uh, those material aggregates. So then he goes on and takes only one aggregate, the earth element. And he says, okay, now what is that earth element? And then he says there are two types of earth element the internal earth element and then the external earth element. And the internal earth element is all that is solid, solidified and clung to, you know, like the body hair and the uh, head hair and the skin and then the teeth, the bones and the, uh, everything that is solid, you know. And then he divides it about in about 20 parts. This is the normal division. Everything that is solid among the 42 parts of the body, 20 of them relates to the earth element. So this is for the internal uh, elements. And then he says, what is the external earth element? So it, it is the same thing. That is the earth element in the sense of, uh, in the sense of uh, solidity, in the sense of hardness. And, but there, you know, Still, the definition has not been so complete, and the comparison is made as a concept. So the concept of earth. So he compares the earth element inside with the earth element outside. So try to imagine that your body, actually, is just composed of earth. Now we are just taking the earth element. So you see you know, the bones and the without any vitality or without any uh, <coughs> you know, feeling or just that body, the, uh, the, 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 the solid parts of the body is just the external earth element. It is just the earth itself. It is the same as the earth. So uh, to start, you know, to come to, to, to the reason why he is uh, making that uh, comparison <coughs> is that uh, the external earth element, it has no volition. It is achitana bhava. So it is something natural and actually it has no will by itself. So he wants to make a relation with our own body in the sense that uh, if that great earth element has no will, it has no volition. It is just, you know, an element. And then, uh, and then with uh, our body, you know, it, 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 it has the same quality. Do you understand? So you can try to see.
So can the earth element say, I, me, mine? Can the earth element identify itself? No, it has no uh, consciousness. So it's the same thing. This body, you know, just the earth element that is in our body, we cannot say that this is I, me, mine. So we have to train ourselves. It is a meditation exercise, you know. It's an approach to meditation. So we just see the impersonality of the physical phenomenon, and this physical phenomenon is just the earth element. So from inside to outside, and from outside to inside, we just see that this is impersonal phenomenon. There is nothing to, uh, to be, uh, uh, that we are able to control. If you have difficulty to, uh, to perceive the internal earth element without the volition and then also without the feeling, without the emotions and every li everything like that, just remember, you know, just suppose you are going to the dentist. Again, you, know, you go to the dentist, and, uh, but of course it's a very good dentist and uh, he has a lot of uh, medicines you know, to make you... Uh, feel no pain when you extract the tooth. So this good dentist comes and uh, issues you with a painkiller, you know, anesthetic. And after a few minutes, you know, when the medicine starts to work, you realize that uh, he got the wrong medicine. <laughs> and your whole body is completely paralyzed, except your teeth. So you can try to see that, you know, like the body, just the body without, you know, the feeling, without the, the perception and uh, just the, you know, like sometimes you go to sleep, sometimes it may have happened to you, you go to sleep and you, uh, you, you, cut, you, you catch your arm somewhere and, uh, you know, after sometimes you wake up and the arm is completely uh, paralyzed, right? And then you take your arm and you just lift it up and it's just a bunch of... Uh, I mean, just a lump of dead, not dead, but a cold kind of uh, heavy and, uh, uh, you know, so that kind of feeling. At that time, you don't care so much. You could, like if you were to cut your arm off, you will not care so much. That in the same thing, like uh, if uh, he gives you the proper medicine for your teeth, you know, then if, if you used to work on that, there is no feeling. You don't care that much because you don't identify with it, you know. So. The idea with that is just to be able to separate the materiality from the consciousness of it. The materiality uh, the separated, f separated from the uh, volition, separated from the liking and the disliking. And I think that this comparison is good, you know, if we use it in our meditation, especially, I mean, Maybe not nowadays. Nowadays we think, oh, all those catastrophes and, uh, you know, those uh, natural uh, disasters that is happening, we think that this is something uh, unique to this uh, epoch. But actually, looking at the uh, history of the earth, it has always been ha happening. So even in the, you know, in the text they say that uh, the, the Buddha, you know, 2,500 years ago, he, he knew that the earth is just, uh, you know, it's just a history of uh, million, millions of, uh, of years. And not only the earth, but the whole cosmic, the whole uh, cosmos is just uh, in, in a process of evolution, in a process of change. So he compares the earth, you know, and he says that, um, he says that, uh, that great earth element, you know, 
at a certain point, the water, you know, the water that is there, the water together, and the, the water is getting disturbed, you know, like the great oceans. And the, so the water is getting disturbed. And because of that, the, all the earth disappear. All the earth get destroyed because of floods and because of uh, uh, the unbalance of the, earth, of the water. Sometimes also that great earth get destroyed uh, because of uh, various other reasons. Yeah, so there eventually there is the, there, there, there can be the destruction of the earth. You know? So the earth itself is not permanent. So when we look at that, you know, and also if we look, uh, if we try to visualize ourselves part of that big cosmic type of uh, laws of elements and laws of uh, natural phenomenon, then there is much less identification with the I and me and, you know, that sense of uh, uh, feeling that uh, we will last forever and that, that sense of feeling also that we are so important and it's just the body, you know, and after 80 or 100 years at the maximum, it's going to end up in the cemetery and just be part of, uh, you know, ashes and the ground. So uh, by linking, you know, that if by seeing that uh, even that great uh, element, even that great earth is going to be destroyed, so it is the same thing with our uh, body. It is the same thing with the earth element in our own body. So then there is not only the earth element, but also there is the water element. So all the, so again, again, he goes with the elements and he says uh, inside uh, the water element inside and then the water element outside. So what is the water element inside? And then he goes to explain in detail. <laughs> and uh, he goes to explain in detail the inside part because we have more attachments, you know, and then we have more identification with uh, the inside of uh, our own body. So with the water element, he says that uh, everything that is uh, liquid and uh, liquefied and clung to, you know, like uh, the bile, the urine, the plus, the blood, and uh, so there is about 12 uh, parts that are mostly uh, water predominant. So in the same way, you know, that the water element that is inside our body and then the water element that is uh, in the great oceans and the, in the great universe, it is the same. So by connecting it with uh, the outside water element, then we come to realize that, uh, well, our body is just the water element. Just also try, just try to feel, you know, that the, the scientists, they say that 80%, uh, I think, or what is the percentage of water in the human body? I think it's quite a lot. <coughs> so try to feel, you know, that that body, you know, is just full of liquid. It is just, uh, it's just a, full of liquid, you know, and uh, held together by the cohesion of, the, of that uh, quality of uh, the water. The water is like a cohesion thing that is putting, you know, the things together, like the mud, you know. Like if there is no water, then there is no, the mud cannot uh, keep together. So that uh, uh, quality of cohesion and the fluidity, uh, 
manifested in, in our body, this is making a, a body, you know, keeping together. So that body of ourself, it is the same as the lakes, and it is the same as the rain, it is the same as the ocean and the rivers. So if we are able to get objective, if we are able to get detached, from the water element from outside, then also we see, well, this body also is just the water element. And then when comes the catastrophes, you know, like eventually the water also is uh, getting out of control and then there are floods and there are, uh, you know, terrible type of a rainstorm and it can destroy everything, right? So sometimes the water element outside is uh, overpowering and then Sometimes also it is not enough, you know, and sometimes the water element is so scarce, you know, so little that it comes that uh, we are searching for water and, uh, you know, everything becomes like a desert and, and at a certain point, you know, the, 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 they say that, uh, you know, at a certain point even the ocean will become very less. It can, it can diminish a lot, you know, if, with the heat and the evaporation. Sometimes uh, maybe, you know, there can be a point where the earth, the, the, the water element is completely uh, over. So if that uh, water element from outside is impermanent, what about our own water element inside of ourselves? Then we have the fire element. So the fire element is uh, everything fiery and uh, everything that is uh, generating heat, you know. So outside, uh, sometimes uh, there are great fires, you know, forest fires and great fires that are destroying everything and it leaves nothing behind. When it goes, you know, it is just uh, burning and burning and the only thing that will stop is the road or the only thing that will stop the fire to, uh, to propagate itself is the water, you know. But as long as there is wind and there is something to burn, the fire is just merciless, you know, it doesn't care. Comparing the earth, the, 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 the water element also, like if we look <coughs> at the, you know, the children sometimes they play on the beach and they make castles with the sand and uh, so they have a lot of fun, you know, and uh, they have a lot of uh, joy and uh, just to create that, that type of castles. And uh, they spend all the day just uh, playing with this and making, you know, nice shapes. And, uh, but in the evening when the, the, the water of the oceans, you know, the tides just uh, raise up and destroy all the castle and uh, their uh, creation is, uh, is destroyed, then they don't they don't lament, they don't cry so much, it, they are not so much upset because they say, oh, well, this is just the, 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 that ocean, you know, it has no volition and it has no, uh, this is just natural and that sun is just sun, it's not, uh, you know, it's not something that we expect to last. But if it was a friend that will come and that, that, that will destroy just to tease or just to, uh, you know, to upset the, ch the child, then the child will, will, will be very angry because he identify himself with it and then he, he can get attached and he can get upset with uh, uh, the bad intentions that of other people are having towards uh, what he thinks belongs to him. Then we have the wind element and then the wind element is the wind element inside 
you know, like all the, the breadth and the upgoing wind, uh, downgoing wind, the wind in the stomach and the, the wind that uh, we are having, you know, everywhere in the space that uh, is inside our body. So that wind element inside is also the same as the wind element outside. So we see that the wind element outside, when it starts to blow, it can turn into uh, tornadoes and cyclones and, uh, you know, be very powerful. But actually, how can we control that, you know? Although we have all the technology, you know, to protect ourselves, although we have all the te technology to, to do so many wonderful things, we cannot stop the external element to manifest themselves, you know, like uh, tornadoes or cyclones. We can prevent it by knowing, by expecting which type of uh, speed or which, ty which type of uh, uh, menace, which type of challenge or the, it will bring. But we cannot stop the, the element itself. It is something impersonal. So by comparing, you know, the wind element and also all those uh, external elements with our own body, we figure out. And uh, it's a question of attitude. It's a question of developing that sense of belonging to something that is natural, and then also the sense of belonging of, uh, of something that is uh, just impersonal and outside of our control. Then. Uh, whenever there is a difficulty or whenever the, a, problem, a problem is arising with our own body, then of course we have to care, but we don't care so much because eventually it has to, it, it has to pass down. And comparing the four elements with the four elements outside, I would like to, you know, to tell you for those who don't know is that the old medicines of Asia, it is and also in the West, you know, the, all the, 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 the old system of medicine is based on the elements. So they say that uh, any kind of sickness that is happening in your body is just the unbalance of the four elements. And they say also that death, you know, when death is coming, whether it is death of cancer or death of any kind of disease or death by a bullet or death by uh, accident or what is happening is just that the elements inside our body gets get uh, unbalanced and then the, the 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 life process stops so it is just a questions of uh, just a question of elements and that's what also they compare with each element you know like with the earth element then they compare it, you know, you, you, you associate the external element that is uh, without any will, without any uh, volition with the in, inside earth element. And then uh, by having this attitude, when you face any kind of difficult situation, then you can handle it in a better way, you know. And uh, there they say that, uh, for example, if somebody is attacked or if somebody is insulted or B badly treated by words of abuse, you know, by words of insults from other people. Then the person who is developing that type of uh, uh, meditation will realize that, uh, oh, now there is an unpleasant feeling on the ear. That's all. No? And then they will see the cause. Oh, the, 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 the bad feeling, the unpleasant feeling is just arising depending on the on the sound, 
So then they will not be in a position, they will, they will be able to uh, uh, maintain a kind of uh, control over their faculties and they, they will not develop uh, hatred or any kind of uh, bad feeling. Then it comes to the space element, and then here when they describe about space, they say that uh, the same thing, like uh, uh, suppose there is a house, and then uh, uh, whatever space that is inside the house, then this is the space element, and the house exists. It's called a house because of uh, the internal uh, space element. So what we call a house actually is the inside of, uh, of uh, agglomeration of uh, the four elements. And from there, from the space element, you know, to see the, they say that uh, the body also is just composed of space. Huh? So this is actually the four element meditation that eventually, you know, or some of you have already started to do. So you do the four element meditation and then you just see that body and you, de you develop actually the perception of, the, of that body as being, uh, you know, with the characteristic of uh, hardness, softness, smoothness, and uh, etc. So by doing that, then eventually you come to distinguish the sense doors, the sense faculties. So here in the sutta they say that uh, when the ear, when the eye, so this is, he speaks about the eye door, right? This is different, like we have six uh, senses, so five are the senses, uh, physical senses like that. So he comes to the, the, the eye door and then he says, okay, now, if the eye is intact, that is uh, able to function properly, and if there is a, a visual or, you know, uh, outside object coming into it, if there is no attention, if you don't pay attention to that, then the eye consciousness is not going to arise because you don't pay attention. Right? Second possibility is that uh, if the eye is intact and the uh, there is no visual form, there is no outside form that is uh, coming into, uh, into contact with it, then the consciousness also cannot arise. Eye consciousness cannot arise. But in a third situation where there is the eye sensitivity, the eye is intact, and then the external uh, form element is there, and then you put attention. That is, your attention is not on something else, you are not reading a book, you are not in meditation. Your attention is put on the external uh, form, visual form. So at that time, the eye consciousness is arising. So you see there is a conditionality of dependence that is depending on the, sensitive, uh, the physical sensitivity of the eye, the eye, uh, the visual form, and then the attention given to it, then the eye consciousness is arising. And together with the consciousness, arises also the feeling, the Vedana, also the perception, the perception of the visual form. And together with the consciousness and the mental formations. So we see that, uh, we see the conditionality, you know, and then also we see that there is a mat material form and uh, there is the consciousness. 
and the consciousness comprise the four, uh, four aggregates of uh, mentality. So we have materiality, and then we have uh, mentality. So then he goes on to differentiate the sense door, because the eye consciousness cannot hear. The eye consciousness, the eye, you cannot uh, smell something with the eye, you cannot taste something with the eye. It's a different sense door, it's a different process. So it is very important to, uh, to analyze and then to see how the, the, the things are arising. Because our search or our question is, we want to understand ourselves. We want to understand what is that? You know, what, what, uh, what are we? We are curious to know. So we define it by way of, uh, of the elements and then by way of the five aggregates. So then when it comes to the ear, it's the same thing. So the ear is different from the eye. So when there is the ear, if there is a sound, if we pay attention to the sound, then the ear consciousness is arising. And then together with the ear consciousness, then the feeling, the perception, the mental formations, and of course the consciousness. And then the smell is the same thing, the same process. If there is the, if there is the nose, if the nose is intact, then if there, is a, uh, if there is an odor, and if there is attention to it, then the uh, smell consciousness will arise. So we see that it is dependly, dependently arising. And the same thing with the tongue. If there is a, if there is, the, if the tongue, you know, the, the, the organ of the tongue is intact, and if there is a, a taste, then the, then the, the tongue consciousness, you know, the consciousness of the taste will arise. And the same thing with the body. If there is a body sensitivity, if our body uh, is intact, then if there is a contact with external or internal type of uh, uh, you know, uh, sensitive, uh, sensible object, then uh, if we pay attention to it, then the body consciousness is going to arise. And then from the body consciousness, then also there is the feeling and then the, the perception, the mental formations, and the consciousness itself. And the same thing with the mind. So we have the mind... Uh, the mind element, the conscious, the, the mind element, and then if we have uh, mental objects, ideas or thoughts, or and if we pay attention to those uh, mental objects, then the mind element is going to arise. So then, we have the five aggregates. We have the aggregates of materiality. We have the aggregate of feeling. Uh, and then the, the feelings are divided in six types of feeling. We have uh, the aggregates of perception, and again the six types of perception. We have the aggregates of uh, mental formations, and those also are divided into six types of uh, six classes of mental formations. And then we have the six types of uh, consciousness. So this makes uh, what we call the five aggregates. So having defined the five aggregates like that, then he comes to, you know, the Sariputta, he comes to the conclusion that uh, everything that is 
dependently arisen as a cause. It, is, it, it depends on cause. So he says that um, everything, I will quote it properly, because I remember, but I always forget when it comes to say it. He comes anyway, he comes to the to the dependent origination. The law of uh, dependent the law of uh, dependent origination. He who sees the dependent origi origination, the, the, the person who sees Paticha Samupada, the dependent orig uh, origination, that person sees the teaching, the Dhamma. And the person who sees the teaching, the person who sees the Dhamma, sees uh, dependent origination. Those five aggregates are dependently, dependently arisen. And then he goes on, you know, he, co he comes back to, the, uh, to his uh, original point, which was uh, the explanation of the Four Noble Truths. You know, he started with the Four Noble Truths, so he explained about the five khandhas being the First Noble Truth, and then he says that the origin of the, you know, of the dukkha or the, the, the suffering is the, the desire, the attachment to the approval of or acceptance of uh, these five uh, Aggregates. The, this is the origin of uh, the suffering, and uh, the third noble truth is uh, when there is no more of uh, the attachment and uh, the desire and uh, approval or acceptance of these five aggregates of suffering. Then this is the cessation of suffering. So we see that the. Sutta, the procedure of the, uh, of the sutta, it starts from the Four Noble Truth, then he goes to the First Noble Truth of uh, Suffering, then he defines the First Noble Truth of Suffering as being the five aggregates, then he takes the, then we took, you know, the, the aggregate of materiality, and then from the aggregate of materiality, the Rupakanda, we divided it into the four great elements, and then from the four great elements, we took each great element one by one, and we saw that, uh, you know, we saw that uh, it's just an impersonal phenomenon. And then from there, we, we distinguish with the fifth element, that is the space. And from the, the space, ego E went on to, uh, to distinguish the six sense faculties together with their sense object and uh, together with the consciousness. And uh, the consciousness, that is arising with that uh, brings along the, the, the other three uh, mental uh, aggregates. So we have the four mental aggregates together with the material aggregates, and it makes the five, uh, uh, the five uh, aggregates. And those five aggregates are involved into the into the dependent origination, you know, the wheel of becoming. So this, you know, this sutta, how do we relate with the, the chart, you know, that are given to you, you know, last month or before the big chart, and then 
you know, you have the where you have the scylla, and then we have all the um, the procedure and the different types of meditation uh, subject, and then for the samatha, and then we have as the first step before the vipassana, we have the rupa paricheda, that is the defining of materiality. So this is what is described here. So he is taking materiality only as a classification, materiality without the materiality without differentiated with the, the mentality, differentiated from the mind. Mm? So this is the first step to be able to differentiate materiality uh, with mentality. And then the second explanation on that chart is to take ment mentality and to differentiate it with the materiality and to see and to, and to analyze how that mentality arises, what that mentality consists of. But so by separating the two, uh, we are able to see and analyze uh, every details of uh, those uh, components. And then eventually, when we have been able to differentiate the two, then it makes the two together, you know, nama upa paricheda. And then when we have that picture, then we put that uh, uh, that set, we put it into the law of uh, dependent origination. So the next step after that is, you know, the nama upa pariga, the, to see the conditionality of those five aggregates. So I would like to, start to tell a story, you know, a few years ago, one of my friends was among, <coughs> he was approached by uh, one of the yogi, you know, here, and, uh, and then here in the West, they don't know, they all don't know about uh, the different robes and the different types of uh, Buddhist schools. And uh, so a little bit sarcastically, that lady, she asked uh, the monk, she says, uh, do you belong to the laundry list school of Buddhism? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Do you belong to the laundry list school of Buddhism? What is a laundry list? Laundry list is a, you go and then, you know, when you go to the laundry shop, you have two socks and then you have uh, one pair of uh, shirt and then one skirt and then uh, two pants and uh, two t-shirts. And so you have a long laundry list, you know. So maybe, you know, I don't like it is, a, I mean, it's a little bit pejorative, but if we take it on the positive sense, what will it mean? Like, and what will be the advantage of uh, having a laundry list when we go to the laundry shop, or when we go to the laundry, making our own laundry? I think uh, by seeing every items that we bring to the, sh to, the, to the machine, you know, for the process of washing, by seeing every items one by one, you know, instead of, say, of, instead of arriving with our big bag of uh, dirty clothes and, you know, if we collect it for our whole family or if we collect it for a group of friends friend with whom we are living, when we come there, we say, oh, this is my laundry bag, you know, and then we carry that big bag with us and we identify it, you know, but if uh, we open it and then one by one we take on, oh, this is the socks to John, and then this is the socks to Mary, and this is the, you know, uh, all the, I would not uh, bother you with the rest. I think you have enough imagination to follow, <laughs> to make a story for you. Mm. So by having a list, then uh, it is more clear about what is what, 
you know, so we know what is what. So this is the first process. First, we identify what is matter, and then we identify what is mind. And this is our self. What do we call our self? You know, it is just that body. So is that body, you know, is it really mine, you know? Just look at that, you know. All the time we need the food and all the time we need it's just like a furnace. So is that body, is this, uh, is this me or is this mine now? And then if we're, is that consciousness also, is this me or is this mine, really, right? So by having the list like that, we can identify what is what. And then also the other advantage is that, that we can separate you know, the white clothes from the color clothes. Because I think it always give a problem for those who are not so accustomed to do that type of washing. They, they put together, you know, poorly dyed materials and then they wash it with white clothes and uh, the outcome is a very wonderful batik, you know, of uh, all kinds of... <laughs> so if you are able to separate, you know, the emotions and, the, you know, the identification, the feelings from what is there, then you don't have a mixture of uh, all kinds of colors in, the, in, in, in what, we, in what we, um, we experience. So I think this is the advantage of uh, having that kind of, uh, of thing. So they say to come back to something serious, they compare that, you know, like uh, actually there are, you know, the anatta doctrine, the doctrine of non-self that is taught in Buddhism. This is a process, this is a, uh, it goes on with the analytical process, a process. So we proceed analytically by splitting up the ultimate constituent parts into mere empty unsubstantial phenomenon. <laughs> that was a tough one. Or oh, elephant. <laughs> yeah, so we have, you know, by ana <laughs> by analyzing we, we, we get we get the definition, right? And then the in the, when we look Oh yes, when we put the, I'm just mixing everything, so when we put the, the clothes in the machine, once we have done the repertoire, you know, once we have done the list, then the machine just goes on and goes on. But we know actually what is there, you know, so the, the, the wheel is turning on. Hmm? So the same thing, like the, the, the law of dependent origination, it proceeds synthetically, so it proceeds by a synthesis, so it puts everything together and uh, by showing all these elements are in some way related with each other, you know, the whole process in the movement of time. So in the Abhidhamma, you know, the Abhidhamma classification, the first books, like the Dhammasangani or, you know, it is just identifying phenomenality, <coughs> implying personality. And then the other books, like the Patana, then uh, it goes on and, and explains the conditionality of existence. So it goes with the analytical method, and then also it goes with the synthetical method. So it's all about that, you know, the, there is descriptions, and then descriptions of, uh, of phenomenon, and then uh, putting those phenomen, phenomenon together, they uh, analyze it in a synthetic way. So here is the conclusion. 
So we come back to where we started, and then I said that uh, from the, our personal goals. So what is important is our goals, you know. So we saw that uh, uh, from our personal goals, we inquire into our practice. And by using the sutta, we made some parallels with the method being taught here. Like here, we just, uh, it's a method of analyzing and uh, you know, so we made a parallel with the method, and then we try to get some uh, other perspective and attitudes. And what are those per perspectives? Is the perspective of seeing the phenomenon as impersonal from the beginning. First thing, when we sit down. So this is an approach. So we can try it. Although we are practicing anapana or we are practicing a meditation subject, you know, we should be very interested, you know, right from the beginning. But also that attitude to see where I am just here and why to identify with it, you know. There are things that are outside of my control. There are things that actually I am out of, uh, you know, out of power. So that attitude of letting go and also that, that, that attitude of uh, objectivity brings us uh, more clarity and also it brings us also more ease in uh, our uh, practice. So that attitude of detachment and non-cleaning. No. So by these new approaches, we can develop the greater clarity of understanding with more objectivity. And with more understanding, we can be more responsible about our life. So what do you think about that? So to end, I would like to quote uh, Eliot, you know, the poet, or you know, Eliot, uh, T. Eliot? Ah, right, right. So he has one saying in, uh, in one of his poems, and uh, he says, teach us to care and not to care. Teach us to sit still. So this is very profound. But very simple. So teach us to care, to care like a mother. You know, we have to care about ourselves. We have to care about what we are doing. So, to care about our life is very important. But also not to care, like the earth. The earth is not caring. You know, when there is earthquake or you know the elements, they don't care about. Uh, they don't care about our wish and uh, our ambition. So. The same thing in, in our life, we need to care, and also we need not to care. And then, by uh, having that attitude, we develop an inner stillness, a, an inner balance. So I think, I think that's a good conclusion. If you have any comment or if you have any questions, you please. conditioned phenomena comprised of the five skandhas mm. would not only be the cause of suffering, but the dukkha itself. Mm. But I don't understand how the uh, conditioned phenomena comprised of the five or just that the five skandhas themselves, I don't understand how like a, a rock would be dukkha, or a cloud would be dukkha, or the eye consciousness apprehending color and shape, how are those dukkha? Yeah, 
The thing is that uh, the external elements, they are not really dukkha. Why? Because they don't have consciousness. They, o- they don't have the feeling of I, me, and so the earth doesn't care. There is flood, or, you know, or there is kind of very strong wind, or the earth gets destroyed. It doesn't care. Or a tree. The tree is the same thing as, a, as the earth, you know. So you cut the tree, the tree will not say anything. So what is the difference? The difference is the identification with the process. The, dif- the difference is the, is the feeling that we get out of it and then the attachment to that uh, feeling, that volition, that desire, and that strong kind of uh, clinging to something that uh, actually is out of our control. This is the source of, uh, of Dukkha. So, so it's not the uh, five skandhas themselves that are the Dukkha, well, it's the craving for the clinging. Yes, but uh, actually, the five uh, kandas also, in themselves, you know, think about it. You know, just don't move. Not be very comfortable, you know. So don't move. If you are very aware, you know, of what is going on in your body, you will see that actually the eyes are just constantly a little bit moving here and there, you know. And then also there is full of movement inside. And then also you are just constantly trying to adjust, unless you are in very deep jhana, you know. After two months, of course, you must be very skillful in that. And <laughs> <laughs> so if you are not in jhana, then you are just moving all the time, you know, trying to adjust the posture. So they say, you know, just I'm, just, I'm not trying to convince you, you know, but uh, they say that uh, the posture, the physical posture, this is what is con- the, the, the change, you know, that we are doing by adapting ourselves. Or this is the concealment of suffering. Because if we don't change the posture, then sooner or later the element is going out of balance and then we get trouble. Like, I mean, it starts to be burning down there or it's starting to be paining in the, in the knee or, you know, there is a, we have pain in the back. So those pains are just a manifestation of the four elements that start to be a little bit, uh, you know, out of balance. So we need to adjust. And that adjustment is, uh, is because there is dukkha, because it's, it, it is not pleasant. But, uh, but itself, it is dukkha. Also, if we look at the food, you know, now, now we need to eat up, you know, the, the rooms, and so it's the same thing with our body, you know, all the time we need to put fuel, and then the more the winter is coming, the more we are putting fuel, and we have to adjust our thermostat, you know, so that the elements don't get uh, uh, overboiled. So I don't know, you, you see, if, if you think that the, f- the five uh, aggregates, if they are really pleasant or are you always happy, or is there always? A, uh, is it really nice all the time? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. So this is the, the the five aggregate of clinging. So if you don't cling to them, then there is no no problem because uh, you know you just die. 
eventually. But there's still suffering though, isn't there, Bantemi? There may not be mental suffering. For example, if you have yeah. cancer, if you have physical suffering, with physical suffering in the body, yeah. old age, sickness and death, you may not mentally yeah. clean like the Buddha yeah. did mentally yeah. clean. But physically, we're still going to suffer. I mean, so the, yes. so it's still, um, yes. Rupa is still yeah. suffering, no matter yes. how you look at it. Yes, yes. No, the pain itself is a me is a, is mental. So it's the feeling. So we get a, a, a unpleasant feeling, but right. the, we get a non-pleasant feeling. But that feeling, the mental aggregate of feeling, is born out of the unbalance of the element. So, so the the actual pain is not an expression of one of the four elements. It's just. It is just the, the interpretation of it. It is just the experience of it on the mental level. Yeah. It can be confusing because sometimes yes, pain it can feel like it's pulling up, you know, ripping or something like that. You mm. can confuse it with pushing. Yes, that's why, that's why by analytically dividing what is pain, what is the feeling, and what is the actual element, then we can get more objectivity and then less identification and also being able to separate the volition, you know, okay, I don't want that pain to arise or this is my pain and I would like to have this or that, you know. So uh, by being able to differentiate the mental aspect from the physical process, then it's a big deal is done. It the attachment and the yes, the suffering is the attachment and the clinging. But the pain itself, we can experience pain. But the pain will be pain, you know. So just for every pain. just it pain. Necessarily have to be dukkha. No, no. Like the dukkha, you know, there is dukkha the, that is experimenting. That everybody is experimenting, you know. Like if you burn, so it's not a, it's not subjective. The body doesn't like it. So there is a actual experience of uh, what everybody will call pain. But uh, the interpretation of it that is. We are making a second or second type of suffering out of the initial, uh, you know, unpleasantness or the initial kind of, kind of uh, uh, suffering. We make it a mental suffering, and then we aggravate it, you know, by uh, identification with it. So we will <coughs> we will answer the questions that uh, were written today. So the first one is, uh, is it normal for the lungs to feel discomfort in the fourth jhana, even after some practice? <coughs> uh, 
Well, I think it's quite, uh, it's not normal. It's not normal. Is it normal? Well, you are not supposed to feel discomfort in, the, in all the jhanas, you know, you should be very comfortable. So I don't know why somebody will experiment uh, for discomfort in the four jhana. We should see what is the cause, you know. If it's a physical cause, then uh, maybe it is not related to the jhana, but it may be related to a physical uh, uh, unbalance. So you have to, if some discomfort is happening, you know, in, uh, in your practice, and if you think that uh, this is due to the physical uh, something, you know, like sickness or something that is not related, that, that, that is not normal, then you better uh, check it properly with, uh, with somebody who knows about that. But it's not uh, related to the meditation. Second question is, uh, is analyzing rupa kalapa part of the vipassana practice, or is it entirely purification of view and separate from a vipassana? Nijadi vasena vivindehi agarehi dhamme pasridi vipassana. Definition. Nijadi dhukha anadda. You must contemplate Formations as anicca, dukkha, anatta. <coughs> Maybe the noble truth of suffering, this is especially by clinging aggregates or ultimate materiality and ultimate mentality. Number two is dependent origination, the noble truth of the origin of suffering. These two noble truths are the object of vipassana. As soon as they arrive, these two noble truths are called sankara formations. These formations are as soon as they arise, they pass away very, very quickly. So they are nature impermanent. They are always oppressed by rising and passing away, so they are dukkha suffering. There is no permanent entity, permanent substance in them, so they are another non-self. Such type of contemplation is called vipassana. Therefore, <coughs> analyzing Rupa Kalapa is we are trying to understand ultimate materiality. Because of this reason, this is not real vipassana. Collecting the object of vipassana only. Or discerning the object of vipassana only. Because at that time, they are not contemplating as nature, dukkha, nanda. They are just discerning within one club how many materialities are present, such as earth element, water element, paya element, wind element, color, odor, flavor, nutritive essence, life faculty, transparency, sustainability, materiality, heart base, etc. In this way, they are analyzing or discerning this materialities only. So this is actually not vipassana. But 
as a general in some cases such type of practice also called vipassana not real vipassana real vipassana is from samasana samasana means contemplating formations as nature dukkha nanda this such samasana from samasana jnana to sankarupaka or nuloma gudrabu nuloma such type of insight knowledge as are called vipassana so another question is why are the formless jhanas not part of right concentration they are also right concentration who tell no <laughs> right concentration they are also right concentration why is it that rupa jhanas are translated as fine material jhanas and not simply material jhanas they are very fine <coughs> very fine means <coughs> occasionally they visit to the Buddha, Brahmas especially. Eh? Brahmas, they visit to listen the Dhamma from the Buddha. At that time, some Brahmas have no experience. Because of this reason, in front of Buddha, they, when they stand up, their body go into the ground. <laughs> because their body is very subtle, very fine. And then the Buddha suggests them to create cross body. And then only they can stand up in front of Buddha and they can pay respect to the Buddha, they can listen to Ma. So naturally their body is very fine. Because of this reason, The jhanas which can produce to be reborn in those places is also called fine material jhana. When working with kasinas, any suggestions how to deal to stop the inner dialogue? <laughs> you must concentrate on your meditation object only. When you are concentrating deep, this problem will disappear. <laughs> as long as there is not deep concentration, this problem will always welcome to you. <laughs> When one is practicing loving-kindness jhana, does loving-kindness become one of the jhana factors? For example, the third jhana factors will be sukha, ekagata, and metta. Usually, Buddha teach jhana pradas five only. Vidyaka, vichara, bidi, sukha, igagata. Why? They penetratively pay attention to their own object. So, Buddha gave this name to these five jhana pradas only. Medha, the meaning of medha is adosa. No hatred only. 
such type of no hatred cannot penetratively pay attention to their own object. So it is not mentioned. But what is jhana? <laughs> jhana means this, a group of five jhana petas are called jhana. One by one is called jhana peta. Fight together is called jhana because they penetratively pay attention or see attention to their own object. While practicing anapana, five jhana buddhas penetratively see the anapana counterpart, anapana pribhaga nimeda. While practicing kasina, especially white kasina, etc. These five Janapadas penetratively see or pay attention to the white casino counterpart side. Because of this reason, these five are called Jana. But one by one is called Janapada. Another question. As I understand, the mind or depending on earth, heart, materiality, is called bhavanga. This does not have a connection to bhavanga as life on continuum. When a meditator does the past life process, does bhavanga have to be checked? If so, which bhavanga? You should differentiate maybe Boenga Mindo Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.